Hello and welcome back to the Running Wild podcast. We are continuing our series talking to Running Wild Novellas Anthology Volume 2 authors, Kevin Baggett, and your story is The Apologies. You're in Volume 2, Part 1. You describe yourself as a displaced Southerner. You're in Minnesota right now. So right. that's hence the displacement. And you're a librarian at Concordia College in Minnesota. I imagine you've got a master's degree for that? I do. Master of Library of Science from uh, Louisiana State University. And you're teaching there too? Yeah, like library sessions, research sessions, things like that. Why, why the library of science? Uh, well, after I graduated college, I just kind of bounced around um, a few jobs here and there. Like uh, I was at a loan company for a while, and then I started working at New Orleans Public Library as a shelver, and I just really enjoyed it. Could see doing that, you know, full time. So I went up the road to Baton Rouge and went to library school. Do you have skills that allow you to research better? Uh, I think so. I think I'm a pretty good researcher because <laughs> I spend most of the day doing that for. For other people, so just applying those skills to whenever I need to look up something. It's okay. like, yeah, I think it helps. And what's the future of library science? I know they're sort of they're they're sort of processing all the digital technologies now and incorporating <laughs> that. Right. Well, that's a whole other podcast. But, um, <laughs> uh, there, yeah, lots of changes, obviously brought on by technology uh, and changes in demographics uh, with college students and things like that, and we're just trying to react to them. Uh, the cost of academic publishing has gone up so high that kind of squeezes our book budget. Uh, we don't like it squeezing our book budget because we obviously love books. Um, but we also want to meet the demands of, you know, our our students and our faculty. So, yeah, lots of changes. It's kind of scary, but, you know, we'll manage like we always have. What's your history with writing? When did you decide you wanted to be a writer? Well, I guess I didn't decide I really wanted to be one until a few years ago, but I, <laughs> I've always had the bug. I think it started when I was an undergraduate at um, University of Mississippi in Oxford, you know, great literary town. Like William Faulkner was there, and then well, he lived there. He has home there and all that. Uh, we had all these great writers come in from out of town to read at Square Books and some other authors that were living there at the time when I was an undergraduate, like Larry Brown and some of the others. So it was just a great like literary feel to it. And I guess I caught the bug then. So I actually did kind of do some writing like around that time. But then, you know, I ended up going into to libraries, going to graduate school, meeting my wife, starting a family and all that good stuff. It kind of kind of put it on the back burner. But that itch was always kind of there. Really, the last few years is when I started like seriously writing. And was the apologies the thing you started on? No, I've, I've read a, written a few stories. Um, and then I st actually wrote a novel uh, and the apologies was a part of that. So what I did is like I set out to write this novel that had all these different aspects in it, like like sort of the southern grit feel, the gothic um, with a little bit of speculative fiction and an academic kind of just threw all this stuff into like a big novel gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it would work well. But once I like finished the draft, I went back and read it. And I was like, no, this this probably doesn't work. This is like two different works. So I kind of sliced off the part of the apologies and expanded it a little bit. And I felt like it kind of stood on its own. And that's when I you know, started submitting it to places and so, yeah, that, that novel is really probably the first finished work I've created. And then The Apologies is the first published work. So, yeah. Oddly, the, the last author I talked to, Mark, he had the exact same history with his work. It was a novel mm -hmm. and he streamed it down to one of the threads and then right. ended, up, ended up with the novella. Yeah. I mean, it was just grandiose sort of like ended up with way too many pages. And now I'm actually going back and, and working on that again. But yeah, less, less grandiose, less genres all mixed together. <laughs> Are you still doing Southern Gothic? I don't know if I would call it that. I mean, I guess I, 
I'm not a literature major, but I, I do read a lot of Southern authors, or I used to. I wouldn't call it less um, the old mansions and all that good stuff, the post-Civil War and all that. But I, I think it's more of a modern Southern writing. You know, like I guess I read a lot of, like Jessamine Ward and people like that. I try to try to be more of a an updated view of way life is there. And that's why I put in my bio that I'm a displaced Southerner because, you know, if I had this bio out there that says he's from Minnesota, but he's writing about Southern Mississippi and New Orleans, like, mm-hmm. what, what kind of cred does he have? <laughs> so. It's my understanding that uh, Southern Gothic themes are, are usually along class and corruption. I, I think so. Sure. Yeah. I, I probably have some of that. And well, there's some of that in the apologies, obviously. And then probably the other stuff I'm writing does have a bit of that too. I wonder how long I'm going to like if I stay here longer in Minnesota, which is such a different culture, like how long will that stick with me? Will I these ideas that I have for these stories, you know, will I get them out and then I'll kind of switch to something else because, I don't, you know, that wells won't run dry or whatever. Well, maybe you can be the guy who invents Minnesota Gothic. <laughs> well, that, I think there is a journal out there. It's called Midwestern Gothic. Oh, really? OK. And I always kind of wondered what that meant. Did that mean, you know. Someone didn't apologize over the hot dish casserole or something because <laughs> they're so nice here. You know, there's it just doesn't feel like some of the same themes would uh would cross over into the Midwest. But you've trimmed the story down to something the size of a novella. What do you do with it then? This is a question I'm asking everybody in anthology because a novella there's a a rise in demand for novellas. There's a rise in distribution for it with digital publishing, but it's still a little bit of an awkward size. Yeah, it really is. Like when I was finishing it or writing that part, I was on submittable quite often, just looking at other calls for submissions and uh, submitting stories to journals and whatnot. And then I saw the call for the anthology, and there's very few calls for novellas on there. And I was like, well, this could be a possible home for it, and let's submit it and see what happens. But yeah, I didn't set out to write when I was writing it. Oh, this is going to get published as a standalone novella. I just wanted to finish that story somehow. And then maybe get it out there. Well, you pick up some old novels from the you know the sixties and everything. Those things are tiny. Yeah, there are some like really old. Yeah, some of the older stuff is actually smaller than we would see as like the big serious books of today. You know, where they have to have to be four hundred pages or so. Yeah, that's frustrating because sometimes you'll you'll come to the end of the novel and it's like two sixty pages. So what right. do you, what do you do? You pad it out? That doesn't seem right. Yeah, yeah. But then it's just it feels like you're just kind of writing fluff at that point. But um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know what you're I know what you mean. What would be your elevator pitch then for the apologies? <laughs> My elevator pitch? Well, I didn't think I'd have to pitch it because it's already published. You never stop pitching. Even after something's published, people will be asked, what, what's your book about? It's handy to have that elevator pitch to, to get them started. Right. So I, I guess my pitch would be, you know, you have sort of a, an average guy. He gets into a, a bit of trouble at his work, which is an academic. He's an academic librarian and he's carrying on an affair with a married woman. Um, you know, things happen where he ends up getting placed on leave. The affair breaks down and he doesn't really have anywhere else to go. But he's sort of estranged from his mom and she passes away. So he moves back home, um, takes over the family house and sort of interacts with him again. I won't give that away, but um, it really is kind of a book where I sort of kind of poke fun at a little bit of academia mm-hmm. <laughs> and poke fun a little bit at uh, Southern Gothic themes and just kind of do it in a lighthearted way. Again, that's probably a terrible pitch. I'm really bad at pitching. No, I think that works. Would you say it's satire? It's a little satire, yes. I would, Yeah, it, it hinges on it. I mean, I had a lot of fun writing it, and I think if I had that much fun, it had to be some satirical element to it. So. A little catharsis going on there? Yeah, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. What are you working on next? Well, I'm 
finishing up the novel that The Apologies was a part of like a year ago. Again, expanding sections of it. And I'm actually really close to wrapping it up and finishing. I work very slow, apparently. I'm, I'm trying to get better with an actual routine and sitting down and actually writing. I've written maybe four or five days straight. I think that might be my personal best. Mm. <laughs> so I'm going to keep, uh, keep working on that. You've extracted the apologies from that larger piece of work. Mm-hmm. So then, then what would be the relationship between the two stories? Oh, that's a good question. I guess I should think uh, more about that. But honestly, you know, I changed some of the character names and, and one of the reasons I took out that part of the apologies, it just didn't feel like it fit with the other part of the narrative because this is him as an adult and the novel is more of him as a, child up through teenage years other than the setting there's really not a whole lot of overlap and that's kind of the reason why i ended up taking that part out and you can put like little little hooks back and forth for the yeah i should yeah. definitely go back and do that yeah. so. all right so people can find you online on facebook on facebook sure and twitter you said twitter yeah i just started a new twitter account but I, I, honestly i gotten off of it a few years ago just to you know, I have enough distractions as it is to try to spend time writing. If I'm going to do some of these you know, podcasts and whatnot, I, I needed to have some sort of online presence besides my Facebook page. <laughs> On both of those services, you are, I don't even know how to pronounce this, L-U-C-G-Y-R-O-O, Luck Gyro? <laughs> it's, it's kind of a takeoff of um, South Louisiana sort of mythology about the loop guru, oh, okay. which, is, which is a werewolf and... I guess when I was a kid, I couldn't say it. So I would say <laughs> Luke Guru. And it just sort of stuck as like my first email address back in like the AOL days. <laughs> so it's just kind of followed me through like, I guess my, I shouldn't probably put that out there, but my digital life, you know, and it's sort of what I use for everything now. So it's just Facebook and, and Twitter for now? For now, sure. All right. Well, thank you for being with me. Once again, the the anthology is Running Wild Novella Anthologies, Volume 2. The author is Kevin Baggett. The story is The Apologies. And your host has been Tone Malazzo. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Well, thank you for having me.